Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Good morning from what is turning out to be a pretty nice day here in uh, York, England. Uh, greetings and blessings to you all. Thanks for joining me again. I trust that what I have to share today will be of help to you and uh, contribute to your life journey. To those of you who are part of the Q Church family here in York, uh, don't forget we are meeting together again uh, corporately in our facility two weeks today for the first times in a in a very long time because of the coronavirus restrictions also remember that we have uh, changed the time to 10 a.m on sunday morning so we'll see you two weeks time it's easter sunday morning um, as one man sung if jesus could rise from the dead you can get out of bed so we'll look forward to seeing you at 10 o'clock on that morning and we'll have a great time together um, as I've become older, I've come to the conclusion that in almost all circumstances, the quest for certainty overshadows the quest for truth. It seems to be a driving um, need within the heart, the spirit, the soul, the psyche of humanity to latch ourselves to certainty. The problem with that is that within doing so, truth becomes manipulated to fit a specific narrative, thereby giving the appearance that the certainty being offered is beyond question. And that becomes the strategy of, of anything that um, has uh, a mandate to, or a perceived a mandate, to gather people to a cause uh, because how are we going to hold those people to that cause if we cannot give to those people um, uh, a whole philosophy that is full of certainty? It happens in politics, it happens in religion, certainly happens in the life that I've lived within the church, sadly I would say. Because the object of certainty is to place things beyond question. And there's a certain security in placing things beyond question. But in order to do that, we have to create a sense of certainty. And when we create a sense of certainty, that is not necessarily reality. Uh, it is a wall, a protection mechanism that actually keeps us from the risks and the dangers that exist uh, outside the boundary and, and, and the, the, the wall of certainty uh, because then we get into areas that we may not have an explanation for. We may not have an understanding about and it becomes dangerous to us. So therefore we institutionalize truth and make it into a certainty within that specific narrative to give the appearance that the certainty that is being offered is beyond question. But I say as a pastor, as a church leader, 
uh, someone who's who runs a community of of people that that I am yes I I am Christian we 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 are certainly Christian uh, that we believe nothing is beyond question even in the context of what we are doing and it's a dangerous place to live some people would say well as a pastor that's probably bad for business and I would say yes you're absolutely right but then we didn't get into this nor are we supposed to be in this because it's a business we're supposed to be in this because we are we are um, purveyors purveyors of hope and purveyors of truth uh, who are not trying to gather people to us but we're trying to gather people to the truth nothing is beyond question listen nothing is beyond question and nothing should be beyond question even the things that you think are beyond question because somebody told you the bible says uh, this is proven this is whatever listen um uh, the the whole history of humanity has has based its forward momentum not on certainty but on questions and even when we think we're certain questioning that of which we think we're certain and somehow it's brought us into life and full life and and wonderful things that we all experienced and it does the same if you will apply that principle to faith and to God see anything beyond question has no quest within it and therefore it's become static and that's not faith uh, the reason we changed our name uh, from Rock Church to Q Church uh, a couple of years ago uh, is because we felt we wanted something that better represented our journey at the present time and what we were offering to people in the context of a journey. And that journey was uh, expressed through changing to Q Church. Now Q Church stands for quest. We're on a quest. Join the quest. Uh, but you see, you can't have a quest without a question. When you put the ION on the end of that word, that's the action of the quest. So an ION on the end of a word is the action of the quest. So the action of a quest is a question. If there is no question, there is no quest. So I have to say most people, and certainly most people in church, are not on a quest because they have no question. And they think their questions are all answered because we've now, by what I've said, we've made manipulated truth to fit a specific narrative to give the appearance that certainty being offered is beyond question. You know, I, um, I was raised in, in the days of a, a, a Christian musician called um, Andre Crouch. And Andre Crouch had a song that we we kind of sung it was um you know andre was one of these people who began to bridge from uh, church to popular you know certainly black soul gospel music and a great musician great artist but he had a song jesus is the answer uh i don't believe that any longer in the way that i used to believe it i actually think jesus is the question and i think jesus being the question is a much more powerful representation um, of the incarnation of truth in this man that Jesus came not to be the answer so much as to be the question now he could say but the question leads to an answer yes but if you if it becomes question uh, first what the question does it means it releases you to know that for every answer there is another question and for every answer there is another question the very thing that institutions do not want you to feel that you can do because it may break the mold that they so wish to incorporate 
that makes you think that uh, all understanding, all wisdom, all knowledge is within that institution or group. So anything be beyond anything beyond question, it has no quest within it. Okay, so things have to be allowed to be in the realm of question and not become static. So that rather than it being a present, we we get we get a to live in the promise of the question. Question is always full of promise. Okay, question is always full of promise. Certainty can become. The most horrendous prison uh, that we don't realise it until sometimes uh, we have lost the will to escape from it because it's become so decorated and uh, uh, and made comfortable that then we've lost the will to accept the challenge of the quest and the question. Certainly by its very definition, uh, certainty places limitations on potentiality and possibility and therefore I could argue <clears throat> it does that to God um, him it herself now there's some controversy for some of you the reason I say that is because the moment we think we can define God so specifically that we understand it know um, can explain we we have by very definition ceased to actually hold that person of God because we have now made that person into an idol um, that we uh, can bow before worship you know whatever but we've taken the life out of out of this source of life uh, also also places limitations on the potentiality and possibility that lies within us uh, if we get gripped in this place of of certainty rather than truth um, we, we're more in in the constricting grip of certainty than most of us realize and if I can break that for you today so that at least you feel you can and should uh, uh, Go on the quest for truth beyond where you are, then I will have done my job today. 2,000 years ago, uh, in what some would say was the mock trial of Jesus by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, uh, he asked the question, what is truth? And I think it's a tremendous question. Some would dismiss that as the meanderings of a pagan uh, empirical master in a far-off country but actually what is truth is a tremendous question and and it's something we should all wrestle with um example in scripture well yeah let me give you this one paul paul the apostle paul who wrote the majority of the new testament got a revelation that caused him to see things differently to his tradition um so within the tradition, because he said as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he was a he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he was um, he was a scholar of scholars. Um, he schooled in all of those things. What he's really trying to explain in his own his own cultural context is that um, he was bound in the tradition, like some of us, like you, me, uh, are and have all been at, at some point, but. Uh, he, he got this revelation that caused him to see things differently to his tradition. Now he has a choice. Suppress it, uh, submit it 
to the manipulation of the narrative to give it the appearance, um, you know, to change it into a certainty uh, that would only mirror what he already knew or to run with what it was that he was beginning to see wherever it would take him. Uh, and this is the controversial thing that he says that, that I think most people in evangelical uh, church understanding miss this point. Paul says it pleased God to reveal his son in me. Now there's the, 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 the revelation that caused him to see things differently because all of his tradition was about God being revealed to the people, God being revealed to him. But now he says, no, I got an understanding that from God to show me that, that he revealed his son in me, something already on the inside of him uh, uh, to be lived out, not something on the outside to be gotten in. Now, now here's the interesting thing. The, the Apostle Paul tried in respect to what he knew would happen to his new revelation to protect it until he processed it he took himself off to Arabia for three years you'll read this in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 and 16 so Paul gets this this truth starts to emerge uh, that shatters the old certainties of his what was then Jewish religion uh, and so his response was not to go into the system, into the institution, um, to make that change its nature to fit with what he already knew. But what he did was he took himself off to Arabia for three whole years. Because Why? Well, he also, it says for three years he went there and then he, he popped in to see the apostles, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem after three years. And then he didn't go back to see them for another 14 that's like 17 years of, of protecting this thing, keeping this thing, not letting it fall into the sin of certainty, but trying to allow it to find its freshness because truth is fresh. Uh, now think about that. Just think about what, what was he trying to avoid by isolating himself so much in that situation. He was trying to avoid this revelation of truth becoming stuck in his old traditions of certainty and there are examples in science and, and, and physics of the point I'm trying to get through to you what, what would you answer if I asked what does the sun do every day and evening or, or do stars move across the sky at night or, or when you see a star what is it that you see really in that moment or is another one when you describe something as empty is there really nothing there because in in our english language if i show you um uh, a glass that that is an empty glass you will say and i ask you why is it empty you'd say because there's nothing in it well are you certain of your answers to these questions are you certain? Does the sun rise and set? Or does the earth move, giving the impression that the sun rises and sets? And we have a description for it, but the description is not actually the truth because the sun doesn't rise and the sun doesn't set. The truth is the earth moves. Or, or do stars move across the sky at night? 
do we see uh, different constellations because those constellations float across the sky? No, the, the answer is we would say we watch the stars move across the sky, but actually those stars have not moved anywhere. They've been static. They've not moved across the sky, but we have moved and given the impression that they are. And when you see a, a star, you know, let's say a star is when we talk about that's that's a uh, hundred light years away. What does that mean? It means that it takes a year for the light from that star to reach us in Earth. So what about the ones that are a, a thousand light years away? That we know they're a thousand light years away. Uh, and we look in the sky and we see that star. Has it ever dawned upon you that what you see in that moment in the sky uh, is not really present in the moment in the sense that we understand present. You're actually looking at something that happened a thousand years ago because it's taken a thousand years for that light to reach us. So you're actually seeing into the past. You're seeing a thousand years back from where you are. It's fascinating mind blowing stuff. And, and you know, quantum physics has taught us that when we describe something as empty, uh, and we think there's nothing there that actually even in the what we think is emptiness is full of forms that we do not see but are present in existence and are, are powerful and full of potentiality. See, see, the question in our certainty is that we talk with certainty about what we think about these things but these are examples in nature where our description of what we think we see is understandable but completely inaccurate in its relationship to truth. All these things may be true in respect to what we think we see but not in regards to what is in fact taking place. So are we prepared to accept inaccuracies for the sake of easier explanation? Because that could then bleed into whole of life, and it does bleed into the whole of life, that we are prepared to accept inaccuracies for the sake of easier explanation, because easier explanation gives us this feeling of certainty, and that feeling of certainty gives us a sense of security, and we don't want that security and familiarity and certainty to be challenged, because that's where we feel it's safe. But the problem is, while ever we take that position, we have become victims of something that will rob us of the wonder of the discovery and the, the, the observation and the, and the embracing of truth. See, are we prepared to sacrifice honesty for security? I think sometimes we are. I think many times we are prepared to sacrifice honesty for security. It shows up in many ways. Of One of them is we turn a blind eye to what we see happening because, because that honesty, if we embrace it, would, would, would unsettle our security. We don't our security unsettling and so we don't feel always unrighteous or unholy or um, inappropriate in doing that. We just feel, become to feel that that's, that's part of a living life. See, even, even, even the idea that truth could contain within it uncertainty is just too much for some. It's too much for some of you. You're thinking, oh, and please, you know, it, it um, if, if truth contains within it uncertainty, just what am I supposed to do? That's where faith comes in, the dynamic of faith rather than, rather than static belief.
So I return to one of my favourite biblical stories that, that I think beautifully illustrates the nature of this. And the power is within its inserts. And it's a story found in the, the Gospels in Luke chapter 24. And uh, it's an incident that's recorded uh, as being after the resurrect, after the crucifixion of, of, of Jesus and after the resurrection. And um, uh, again, see the story within the story. See that this is this, although it is a story of a couple of people in, you know, first century Judea. It's actually a story that's saying way, way more than its, its specific location or its specific um, culture. So it talks about the, these two that, that are traveling on the day of the resurrection to a village called Emmaus, walking from Jerusalem to, to Emmaus. And they're talking about everything that's happened. And, and uh, the story says that while they reasoned, um, Jesus himself uh, joined them on the road. Now, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I want you to get the point of what this is challenging in our understanding of, of, of certainty and truth. So, so the story says that Jesus joined them while they're talking. And, and it makes this statement, which I think that's why I said that, that within the story, the, it's the power of the inserts that you really need to grab. This is one of those inserts in verse 16. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Question by what what is it that stopped them knowing who it was that was walking with them see the, the story seems to convey that they had known who jesus was probably even uh knew jesus if not personally certainly from a distance because they had probably been part of the crowd when he talked or or whatever but but something about them uh uh was enough to need to indicate that they were restrained from knowing him. So therefore they previously, the, the implication would be, would have recognised or known him. So by what? Why, why, why were their eyes restrained? You know, I've heard some people, some preachers say, oh, you know, God, God blinded their eyes so they wouldn't realise it was Jesus. And personally think that's nonsense. Uh, I would rather say the point of this is drawing us to the fact that where they were in their headspace, their thinking, um, their needs, uh, it, it would not allow them to, to really know who it was that was with them in the form that he had appeared. That their own their own condition, maybe their own just just being tied to certainty would not allow them to to be able to see something outside of those parameters. And so the story goes that he asked them what they were talking about, and they said, you know, basically, you know, what is wrong with you? Are you dumb? Are you a stranger or something? Because, you know, do you not know what's been happening in Jerusalem? This, um, you know, uh, uh, you know about Jesus of Nazareth and. Uh, and and now he's been taken and come to them to death and 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 he's been crucified uh, and they were going on to, to say that you know some women from from the company had said he'd risen from the dead and had seen his body alive 
But but I want to bring you back to the middle of that because when they talked about him being delivered and condemned to death and crucified, verse 21, here's that other little insert. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now, he, here's why I believe that insert is there. Um, they were restrained from being able to see the truth with them because of their incessant need for certainty we were hoping that he was going to fit the model that we had created that he was going to be in the way and form that we had expected i.e for them as jews that this messiah had come to deliver them from the oppressive power of rome uh, and therefore because he had now died this death on the cross how could he ever do that uh, see that their, their certainty was we were certain that this is what he had come to do that this is who he really was and so that blinded their eyes to being able to access and 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 be 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 released because of truth then they go on to say you know the his body wasn't found in the tomb and this came seen that's in a vision of angels and etc 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 um and then Jesus comes into the com conversation, unknown that he is who he is. And uh, if he said, I'm the truth, he could say truth starts to speak in the situation. And when they begin to listen to truth speaking to them rather than them dictating to truth, um, he begins to, he starts by all foolish ones. <laughs> and I guess if truth were to... Uh, speak to most of us who won't shut up because we're trying to impose upon truth our own certainties the truth would say to us oh foolish ones slow of heart to believe uh, so he goes on to to explain it says that that he begins then because they are practicing jews because of their um because of their ethnic history he begins uh to talk to them from Moses and the prophets who were so important in their in their culture and tradition uh, and starts to show within their culture and tradition from their scriptures uh, things that pointed to him pointed to this truth right and with all of us there are things within our tradition within our experience within our culture within our experience that are pointing us to truth that we often don't and are not willing to uh, to see but then he goes on to say this this is the other insert then they drew near to the village where they were going okay so they had a plan this is where we're heading okay that was their certainty this is where we're heading uh, and this this is a classic statement but he indicated that he would have gone further now what's interesting if you look on a map of, uh, of that time in Jerusalem and Emmaus and you look at at further as a geographical distance you would have to say well there really is no further in the sense of the next town or whatever so the question would be did the writer of this and and was the statement of this indicating that it it didn't mean that he would have gone further in the sense of um just walking but further in the sense of 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 what they would learn where they would be taken in their understanding where where truth would lead them 
would be beyond the place that they wanted to stay. Do you get what I'm saying? Because truth will always and consistently take you further than certainty will ever allow. So there's this issue here of their own uh, need for certainty, even had specifically where they would go and where they would stop and beyond which point they were not prepared to go, even though truth in the form of Jesus in this story was indicating it would have taken them further. And so they, this, then it goes on to say, but they constrained him. This is the other insert. They constrained him by saying, abide with us, stay with us. Oh, you know, it's evening. The day's far spent. There isn't time. You know, we've got to where we need to go. We don't want to go any further. Stay with us. They constrained him. Stay with us. Now, this is the other problem of certainty. Certainty, when challenged, will also constrain, always constrain the truth to stay within the bounds of the certainty which has been established. That becomes home base. And having been raised in Pentecostal evangelical Christianity all my life, I know that we had certainties that were home based, that we couldn't go beyond. Well, I've changed and I've gone beyond some of those things. And there are things I no longer believe and will no longer interpret through the models that I was given. You know, and nothing, nothing is, is exempt from that, whether it's questions about hell, uh, eternity, life, death, Jesus, the Bible, uh, the nature and character of God, any of these things, none of them beyond that question. Because the problem with certainty is that certainty will say to truth, abide with us, stay with us. And then they want to promote that truth to say, look, the truth is with us. When actually the truth wanted to go somewhere else and you would not let it. And it could be the death of the church, never mind the life of the church, that whole attitude. They said, abide with us, stay with us. So here's, here's grace. He went in to stay with them. Uh, there's a graciousness that says, okay, I, I will uh, give what I am and do what I can within the constraints that you have provided within your certainty. But there is a grace of presence from the source of all life. Uh, that somehow finds the the grace to um, to stay with us and and come into our place when we said, well, this is where we live, this is where we stay. Uh, that's that's a grace. So so where's the other insert now? So he, he he goes in the house and he stays with them and they sit at the table and then he takes bread and blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them. Um, so this is a model of the of the communion. Uh, set up okay so it's an expression of you know that the bread broken and that was always something that would speak and it, it spoke to these people and it says then their eyes were opened and they knew him so this is the insert so something happened that suddenly triggered them for their eyes to be opened and suddenly they, they knew who it was. They knew that truth was with them. They knew that Jesus was with them. They knew that the Christ was with them. Whatever terminology you wish to use there, they're all interspersed within this. They knew that truth was with them in that moment. But here's the wonderful insert. He says, and he vanished from their sight. <laughs> so in the moment that they suddenly become aware of truth being present in this particular form, which was the form of Jesus, 
that he vanishes from their sight in that form. They were denied the opportunity to iconize and idolize and frame that singular idea of what he looked like. He disappeared before they could pull out their cell phones, mobile phones, and take a selfie with him or before they could take a picture of him because had they been able to do that they would have said this is Jesus look I have a picture of Jesus see there's a great lesson here for us in our modern world where we can so easily and so quickly pull out our phones take a picture of something and then we we iconize that we idolize that we fix it in time we we say this is it this this is this is Jesus this is Christ this is the gospel this is the bible this is God uh, because we've taken this snapshot in a moment. But the, the lesson here is that he vanished from their sight. Why? He vanished from their sight because he did not want them to get stuck in this place of certainty about something that should not be put into certainty because truth should not be bound within the restrictions of certainty do you see what i'm saying now this like i say some of you will be like well i can't i can't handle that but it's a wonderful releasing freedom so so um here's my observations about that then i'll bring this to a close i've talked for long enough um jesus never tells them who he is right that's interesting he never tells them who he is he wants them to come to a discovered revelation of him to them and he engages them in a mode of questioning and searching that's what he does because he doesn't tell them who he is he's, he's, he begins to engage them he wants them in a mode of questioning and searching and then as i've said to you he disappears from their sight before they can take a photograph of him this is a classic example of not seeing truth outside of the model of certainty. They could not see truth outside the model of certainty and neither can many of you today. They wanted the truth to occupy their space rather than move on into its space, just like many of you today. They wouldn't go far enough, just like many of you today. And when finally their eyes were opened, that specific manifestation disappeared truth is an ever unfolding reality so when jesus said i'm the way the truth the life he was meaning the life that you're looking for has to be seen within an ever unfolding reality now that doesn't mean there aren't things that we can't say about about the christ uh, about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus about about the Bible it doesn't mean there are things we can't say but it does mean that if we take them out of the realm of an ever unfolding reality and put them into the place of certainty we have created a prison where the life that was in the truth will die within that prison and we will be left with a memory rather than a vision a dream Remember what I'm trying to get through to you today is that in almost all circumstances, the quest for certainty overshadows the quest for truth. And we prefer security over honesty. What we finish up with is God as a noun to be explained rather than as a verb to be lived. Truth as a fixed position of certainty 
rather than a faith-engaged living entity. I am the truth was meant to lead us to the understanding of a living entity that we engage by faith that is not a fixed position of certainty. Don't allow your need for certainty to overrule your pursuit and acceptance of truth. The truth will take you further than your self-imposed limitations will allow. Be willing to know the truth and the truth will make you free. Don't be guilty of the observation of the French theologian philosopher Blaise Pascal who said God made man in his image and man has returned the favour. Let the truth make you free. It's not frightening, it's fulfilling and it will lead you to the life that you're supposed to have that God intended for you from the very beginning in that revelation. Bless you. I'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest. <laughs>